the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Talk to any theologian worth their salt, and they'll tell you their favorite book is the book of Romans. Why? Well, quite simply, it is the heart of the gospel, as we'll see today here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Hi there, and welcome to another week of Bible study here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Pastor Gary returns us to Romans chapter 1. Those first 15 verses are commanding our attention this week as we take a look at the heart of gospel ministry and what it looks like and why it is so crucial to our walk and relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Gary with today's program. The heart of a gospel minister. It is a great mercy for God to come and give us his gospel at all. But when he gives us the gospel for a man like Paul, whose spirit and heart just breathes the very spirit of Christ his love, his joy, his peace, then our hearts should be truly humbled. And we should receive this letter that we have been given by the Holy Spirit as the very oracle of God come right down to us right here at this spot today. Paul begins his more personal greeting, which comprises verses 8 through 15, with a very important prayer of thanksgiving. He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Now that little phrase there, my God, is an important little phrase. You know, when the Lord Jesus came and died on the cross, it wasn't just to open up a portal for as many people who wanted to be Christians to become one. It was a fulfillment of God's covenant promise, which was, I will be a God to you and to your children after you. That promise God made from the very beginning, that I will be your God and you will be my people, Paul recognized here that all of the blessings that he has, all of the mercies that he has come from this relationship that God has set up with him. He is my God, my God. He has taken me under his wing. He loves me. He takes care of me. He has made promises to me. The good that I see him doing in you, Romans, as Paul wrote, all of this comes from him alone. So I thank him for you. He is my God. This, you see, is a very personal form of address. 
And we would have a greater sense of how much we should love God and follow and devote ourselves to Him if we were more persuaded than we are. That God is our God. Not because we deserve it. We don't come to Him from a position of strength. We don't come to Him from a position of, I have something He needs. We come to Him from a position of absolute condemnation. But he comes to us by his mercy and says, I'm going to make you mine. I will be your God. You see, when we recognize that every good comes from God, our hearts are humbled and we're ready to give God the thanks he deserves. Are you a thankful person? When was the last time you counted your blessings and named them one by one? Are you thankful? Or would those who live with you say that you are more of a complainer than a thanksgiver? What would they say? You know, the only way we can have a heart of thanksgiving for God's mercies to us is if we recognize that they come from the hand of our God who has shown much mercy to us. And that always leads us directly to Jesus Christ. He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Why does he lead us to Jesus? I will give it to you as simple as I can. No one ever receives any good thing from God except it comes through the hands of Jesus Christ, His Son. Because Jesus alone is the mediator of the covenant. It's as if God deposited it in Him like a bank account. All grace, all life, all mercy, all hope, all peace, all joy. And He put it completely in Jesus so that we only have these things if we draw from Him. In our weakness, we have to draw from His fullness, believing that He is our mediator, believing that all good is in Him, not in the world, not in ourselves. All good is in Him. That's why Paul wouldn't even thank God without going through the mediation of Jesus Christ. Because God does not hear our prayers, beloved, unless we offer them through the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless we are aware of the fact it is only His sacrifice that makes us at peace with God the Father. It is only His blood. It is only His intercession that opens up heaven for us. Nothing else. Not my prayers. Not my tears. Not because God looks at me and said, oh, He's strong. She's smart. He's got a lot of money. They're both so kind. He doesn't look at any of those things. Because this is how foolish a dust might judges men. God judges by the heart. And he looks in there. And if he doesn't see the seed of faith that he has planted. Where we cling to the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Heaven above our heads is like a steel wall 
And God does not hear our prayers. When we thank God through Jesus Christ, it keeps us close to the cross. Because we would have to say, I couldn't even tell God, thank you. I, even, I wouldn't even want to tell him, thank you for your mercies to me, had not Jesus died for me. It also keeps us close to the throne of grace because everything I hope to receive comes from God's hands. Everything good. And it also makes the gospel the very beating heart of our life. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, Paul had never seen these people eye to eye. I'm sure he knew some of their names. In fact, I said two weeks ago that undoubtedly the congregation, if indeed it was a church yet, because it's not called that in Romans, but it was formed probably by people who were either in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost or maybe some in Paul's congregations that had traveled there. Remember, in those days, all roads led to Rome. So there was a group of believers there, but Paul had never seen them. And yet he is thanking God for what God has done in their lives. Now here's a remarkable thing that we should think of often. Now granted, this is going to be a great revelation to most of us. Are you ready? God is doing things beyond your personal sphere of familiarity. We often think, my life is like a movie. I'm the main star in it. Everyone else comes in and out of it, and there are bit players here and there. Maybe we would give one of them an Oscar for the best supporting actor. But it's really all about me. Paul recognized, no, it's not. It's all about God. And he's doing things throughout the world that ought to make our hearts just cry and rejoice. Listen, we are so united in Christ our head. Remember, God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And when he does good in any part of the body of Christ. He is doing good to all of us. It's like all of the good, all of the prayers that God answers anywhere, all of the healings He gives to His people anywhere, all of the men that He saves anywhere, all of the marriages that He heals, all of the wayward children that He brings back home, all of the blessings that He gives to businesses Everything he does that is good to his people, it belongs to us just as much as it belongs to those to whom it is done. Because we are that united in Christ. And you know, if we thought more this way, our hearts would be brimming over with praise to God because he is doing wondrous things, not just here in America, but throughout the whole world. And we would also recognize that what really counts is for God to be praised. So in our own congregation, we should say, we want God to be thanked and praised for what he's doing here. 
And we want other believers to be encouraged by that. Do other believers know what's going on in your life? Are we so private? I know sometimes I struggle with this, that I don't even share with those closest to me the things that God is doing in my life and what he's showing me. But then it, sometimes it makes me wonder, is, is he really doing them or is this just a pride issue for me? We are supposed to talk about what God is doing in our lives. But we should never think that doing that is a pride thing. We are to worship Him and thank Him for what He is doing in our lives. And our congregation should be motivated when we read these lines to say, I want the grace of Christ in my life. I want to be strengthened I want to believe his word so that other believers will be encouraged by me, so that God's name will be praised, so that other members will also be strengthened to live for God's praise, so that his name will be praised above all the earth. What is our aim in life? Is our aim in life to get through it with as little pain and inconvenience as possible? Is our aim to make it through with so little inconvenience, frustration, as much fun, as much pleasure as we possibly can, and as little thorny interaction with other people as possible? Or is our desire that we want God to be thanked and praised? We want for men to see His gifts of grace that He's doing here and throughout the world. And we want them to be encouraged and led to praise Him. Now notice what Paul praises God for, and he thanks God for, for their faith. Now, we might like to be known for a, a lot of things, and maybe faith is a little low on the list, because, you see, faith does not make much of a movie. And if it's not a movie that you can put on YouTube, then obviously it must be irrelevant, right? And you know, we should be really careful because out, one of the dangers of all the social networking that is done is that it kind of gives us an artificial idea that life is about what's happening to me. That is what is really important. But notice here, Paul draws our attention and says, no, no, no. What is important is not about you. What is important is what God is doing. What is important, he says to the Romans, is your faith in his word. And you know, any time we read the word faith in scripture, we need to go back to God's word. Because you see, the word of God is faith's food. It is faith's light. Is it what, it's what causes faith to grow. Faith is what produces in us prayer when we believe God's promises. It leads us to pray because prayer, you see, is really nothing. But God's promises turned into an argument and given back to Him. You promised this, Lord. Therefore, I humbly ask you to fulfill it. Faith motivates and strengthens us to undertake great works for God. And even 
the not-so-great in the eyes of men's work like being faithful in your work tomorrow, to do your work heartily as unto the Lord, to love your wife, to submit to your husband, to obey your parents, to give witness as you have an opportunity to the great things that God has done in your life. This is what Paul says that these people were known for. It was not their savvy in other areas like economics or politics. It was not that they had this niche, this issue that they held up before the congregation. It was that they believed the word of God and applied it. That they were humbled before his truth. And that the fruits of that faith were evident in their lives. Is that what we're known for? Well, it's what we need to aspire to. I realize faith is irrelevant in the eyes of men. I live with this every day. God has made all these tremendous promises in his word, and it's like, oh, well, we're waiting for them, but we can't see them with these eyes yet, and our culture certainly can't see them, so what does it matter? And, of course, these Romans lived in wicked Rome. The Roman historian Suetonius described Rome as a sewer in which all is, all is evil flows into and flows out of. And yet, here Paul says, the most important thing that God is doing in your life, even in the midst of wicked Rome, is that he is making you a believer in God's word. So he thanks God in verse 8. And in verses 9 and 10, he talks about his prayers. He's always praying for them, he says. Now it's rather compelling for, he says, God is my witness. Because you see, this is an oath. Why would Paul basically say, I swear I am praying for you? Well, obviously, we learn from that that it is very important that we have a responsibility to pray for each other within the body of Christ. It's also a serious matter when we agree to pray for each other. We need to be really careful. Sometimes people will come to us and they will share a great burden with us or, or some trouble they're having and we'll think to ourselves, I've got to say something here. Oh, well, I will be praying for you. We need to be careful. I mean, it's a good thing to do that if you really intend to do it. But if we just say it for filler, hoping that, hoping that the other person will think we're pious because we promised to pray for them, we are nothing more than a liar if we do not. Paul wanted these Roman believers to understand not only what a serious business it is, that we pray for one another within the body of Christ, but he also, he, he, he himself was also praying for them. He had never seen them. But to take an oath, they were in Rome. And if a church could be established here in that capital, that would be a major event in the kingdom of God at that time. That is why this is such a weighty letter. So Paul is trying to endear them to himself. He's trying to get them to listen carefully. This man loves you. This man is praying for us even though he has never meant us. Now, O's today, we swear them all the time. 
You hear people on the radio swear such and such is the greatest baseball player of all time. It's amazing. We don't want God, yet people blaspheme and take oaths more than ever. And I think there is a direct correlation because the more men deny God, the less they can escape him and the more they have to blaspheme him in order to, in their conscience, to exert some kind of control over the God and they cannot escape. So we might be tempted to think, I guess, well, maybe I shouldn't take oaths at all. No, that's not biblical. Oaths are legitimate. Sometimes they are necessary, especially when they are asked of us by a legitimate authority, parents, elders, civil magistrates, or when the circumstances are so necessary that we need to call God to bear witness to the truth of our words. Because remember, beloved, we cannot say, trust me. We can't say that because I can't certify the truth of my own words. I'm a worm. The only one who can certify the truth of our words is the living God. Now, what does Paul swear this oath to more specifically? By the way, first of all, notice how sincere it is. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. I mean, this isn't coming from some Sunday morning servant of God. Paul's whole life was dedicated, as we saw earlier in a sermon, to the gospel and in serving God. And he swears that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Now, this certainly didn't mean that Paul was praying for them 24-7. He couldn't be self-consciously praying for the Romans and preaching a sermon as well. So what does he mean? Well, most likely, as often as he had set aside a special time for prayer or in those unceasing prayers to God that we are called to offer up throughout the day. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Well, what does that mean? It means the spirit of the believing man or the believing woman is continually bringing prayers to God throughout the day. Lord, my boss has just given me a difficult task. I need you to help me. Lord, my husband is sick. Please heal him. Lord, my son has been in a car accident. Could you please help him work out all of the details? Life is nothing but a continual breathing of prayers to God if we believe his truth. And Paul says, every time I pray, I remember you. I think of you. I pray that God will strengthen you. And also in verse 10, he says, I ask God if I could come and see you. I definitely want to come and visit with you. The way the King James Version says it, I pray I may have a prosperous journey by the will of God. So you see, he's not just praying, may I have a good trip. He is saying, I'm praying that God will order my affairs so that I will be able to make a trip to you in Rome. And notice he says, by the will of God. Because even our good desires when we pray need to be yielded to what God has already determined. We don't know what that is. So what do we say when we pray? Lord, 
your will be done. Lord, I'm not really sure what I should pray or even know what to pray. So, Lord, your will be done. Verses 11 through 13. Why does Paul want to come and see these Roman believers? Paul's not planning to come there with the idea of promoting his ministry. Oh, let me make you a part of my speaking tour. Paul is coming because he wants to be a blessing to them. And this is important. He says, I long to see you. Wow, what a spirit that is. This is so important. Here Paul was, he had been caught up into the third heavens and had seen things that men can't speak about here on earth. And yet, we find in his letters that he'd love to be around other people. Please send Timothy to me. Please send Titus to me. The more he saw of God's glory, the more he loved others who were made in the image of God. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.